Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to our 16th episode of On Tap, and I hope you've had a good Christmas. Um, today, I have the honor to do the introduction. So, what is it that Glenn always says? Yes, here it goes. At On Tap, we discuss the ins and outs of current global, political, social, and economic dynamics, but with a specific eye to predicting what can be expected. I'm Glenn. S oh no, I'm Joachim Marnitz, senior strategic advisor to Time and Place Consulting, and I'm here as always with Glenn Sisan, our managing director. Uh, Joe, you did that very well. <laughs> Hello, all, and I hope you've all had a good Christmas and a good uh, entry into the new year. And a happy new year, I was about to say, yeah. So today with a super special guest, Sumit Agarwal, I hope I got that right, maybe not, um, founder and chief of PR Signal. Great name, by the way, and the, the name of the company, and very fitting for a public relations and communications company. Thank you, thank you so much. Today we will be talking about India, the current state of affairs, um, not least in light of Corona and their actual and potential trade relations with the European Union and all with a global perspective. So, but before going there, a little bit more about you, Summit. Uh, you're based in Kolkata, India, as far as I've gathered. Is that right? Yeah. And what do you do? Uh, what do you, what do you, sorry. So I have had a very wonderful journey um, in my life. These 28 years have have been a wonderful journey. In fact, apart from media relations and public relations, I'm consulting different brands on, on terms of media and uh, branding. What I actually also do is uh, I am a diversity and inclusion activist. And I talk to different companies about why they should include persons with disabilities in the company there by bringing a new perspective and new vision to the company. So uh, your company together with Time Place Consulting recently built a trade and business development practice internalized within the TNP structure. Um, that's supposed to be a first step towards providing business development and management advice to Indian and European companies looking to enter the European and Indian markets respectively and to strengthen EU-India trade ties. Now, the, there's an interesting story as to how you came across TNP Consulting. Would you mind sharing it with our listeners? So uh, I came across Glenn when he was hosting a European uh, parliamentary some uh, Paralympic committee meeting and the event. So that was that was when I came across Glenn's LinkedIn profile and I sent him a uh, request and uh, we got connected. You know, I always got very positive vibes from him. So that was the first step. Okay, um, Glenn mentioned to me that you're also, yeah, that you are also to become Calcutta's first cerebral palsy mo model in February or March of the coming year, uh, of this year, actually. Sorry, that is quite exciting, isn't it? Yeah, so I keep on trying different things because I, I believe in the motto of one life, so you should try everything you want, you know. I, I fully, fully agree. Uh, fully agree with that, and uh, this is probably also a reason why Summit and I uh, had had a good vibe at the beginning, and uh, as he's mentioned, the positive signals, which I can only reciprocate. Um, I, so yes, I mean, I, I know that uh, Summit has been um, a heavyweight in talking to companies also about inclusion. Uh, and disabilities, of course, and this is why um, I, I guess that was the first kind of platform that permitted our our connection. Mm -hmm. 
um, beyond that, of course, I mean, the company is a regional heavyweight in public relations and communications, and um, their clients have significant business development ambitions in Europe. And um, yeah, as you've noticed, Summit is full of surprises. His network and access is extraordinary, and his company's communication impact has been evident over and over again. Um, and again, the like-mindedness. Both organizations pursue similar objectives, um, not only when it comes to disability inclusion and the Paralympic movement, but um, I guess there's something poetic about the motto of PR Signal. Also, I agree it's a great name. And the motto is Building Bridges. Oh, nice. Um, so, Summit, how are things in India at the moment? What does the current social and economic climate feel like, especially in the light of coronavirus? So uh, it is it is like, uh, you know, a lot of people are losing jobs, but they are also gaining jobs. If you have seen the first uh, data released by World Economic Forum, uh, they released the data, data a few days back, and they said why people are losing jobs like in sectors like accounting and uh, manual jobs like data entry, but they are gaining jobs in data analytics and uh, digital marketing. So, you know, some sectors are earning way more because of the pandemic and some sectors are suffering very badly. For example, let me talk about uh, something entirely different. Let me talk about uh, the flower sellers, there are flower sellers who sell flowers in the streets of Calcutta and uh, they are not able to get buyers because of, uh, you know, this COVID situation. They are not getting as many buyers as they used to get. Uh, yeah. There are sweet vendors in streets of Calcutta. They are not able to sell that many sweets. They have to close their shops early because of a COVID rule and the lockdown rule. So these things are there, you know. Very few uh, sectors are making profits. Uh, but yeah, a lot of sectors are trying to transform into digital selling and e-commerce activities so that they can keep their uh, businesses afloat. So it's a challenging and exploring landscape for India. Yeah, I imagine. Um, do you think on balance that, say, in five years or something like that, in, it will be barely noticeable or will it, will it have changed things significantly for better or worse? So, so let, me, let me talk to you. Uh, let me take you two years back. Two years back, there was no, uh, you know, access to mobile phones and cheap data in India. What happened is Reliance Geo, a massive mobile company, they came in and they sort of made mobile services and data services free for everybody for, for quite a period of time. That, you know, sort, sort of pushed access to data and internet in rural areas and rural villages of India. You know, still 60% of the population of India lives in villages. And they had no access to internet and, uh, you know, mobile phones. But uh, after Reliance pushed out that plan for Geo, which made data and internet free for everybody. Uh, now I see a lot of rural audience on Facebook 
a lot of people from rural areas trying to set up their shops on Shopify and Estacy and uh, sell their products on eBay. And uh, so uh, this is being interesting to see how rural people are innovating to, uh, you know, reach a new market and uh, find, find new customers for their products. Yeah, that's very, really interesting. Really interesting how innovation drives these things. Um, so, Glenn, a main ambition for the cooperation between TNP and PR Signal is to increase trade between the European Union and India. Why is it so important? Well, uh, first off, um, there is a lot of potential for business development when looking at the European Union and India, two of the world's biggest markets, and even more so when looking at strengthening the bridge between the two through deepening free trade. And indeed, this needs to be seen also from the perspective of the current economic slump in light of Corona and tensions India has with China, for example, which are very prevalent, if not uh, even more so on the rise. When looking at Trump and the US, and let us hope that Biden will counter counterbalance the initiated trade wars, but the da damage done will take a while to heal for certain. I have to admit, though, also from a personal perspective, it has always been my professional and personal leitmotif to focus on building bridges and note, obviously, here the reference to PR signal, wink, wink, Sumit. <laughs> it really is about creating synergies, harnessing potential of positive dynamics and helping empower the potential of skills, especially in light of um, current global trade dynamics, um, the regional uh, comprehensive economic partnership, which I will get to a little bit later, Brexit, and as mentioned, the lingering pandemic and it all out, uh, it is even more pertinent to build and create, both in the interest of EU and India. Um, this is obviously one of the many reasons I wish more attention was paid at political level in the EU towards India overall, which is some of the richest known history and is the most populous democracy in the world. Congratulations, India, by the way. And that there would be a higher level of momentum in building relations between the two markets than what I see now. But there are relations and very positive signals towards the future between the two, I have to note. For example, at the 15th EU-India summit last year on the 15th of July, which hosted Prime Minister Modi and Commission President von der Leyen and Council President Michel, plans for trade dialogue were laid and endorsed titled EU-India Strategic Partnership, a roadmap to 225. And it lays down commitments to, amongst many points, discuss foreign policy and security cooperation, trade and investment, um, climate change, clean energy, ICT, health and food security, global governance, you name it, you can pretty much have it. And let's not forget the current presidency of the Council of the EU under Portugal has indicated his intentions to intensify relations with India. So also here, let's see what positive signals we get within the first half of 2021. So how would you describe the trade relations right now between the European Union and India in a nutshell? Um, well, as the first point, it is important to mention that there is no free trade agreement. Uh, there were attempts to launch an FTA when negotiations started in 2007, but were suspended in 2013 due to several reasons, including difference in tariffs and European products and India's preference to have more services and professional-oriented visas in the FTA. But this has not stopped an increase in trade naturally taking its course. Um, just to give you a few facts which are highlighted by the Commission's own statistics, 
The EU is India's largest trading partner with 80 billion worth of trading goods in 2019. Um, this is the same amount as the US has and more than with China. Uh, sorry, the same amount as with the US and more than with China. India is the EU's largest trading partner, 1.9% of EU trade in goods trade in 2019. There has been an increase in goods trade between the two by 72% in the last decade. I hope I'm not making people fall asleep with the statistics. Um, so just one last one. I'll test our audience. Um, furthermore, the Commission notes that trade and services had a big jump from 22.3 billion euros in 2050 to 29.6 in 2018. Therefore, I would say um, no surprise that the EU and India on the 15th of July last year indicated their intention to deepen trade ties. So including obviously the additional contextual reasons I've mentioned before. Okay, let's get back to that right away. But just a second before, um, Summit, how is the EU perceived in India? Um, after after joint MOU signed uh, signed between uh, India and EU for digital India and aerospace and agriculture and a lot of other initiatives, the Indian startups, uh, especially the funded startups, which has access to Series A for funding, for them EU is a leading market there, especially in terms of edtech, uh, aerospace. And uh, maritime technology, you know. Uh, Glenn, you mentioned several reasons why strengthen the, strengthening the trade between the European Union and India is important. One of them was China. How do you see the global status quo in that regard? Um, well, from a China-India perspective, and I am speaking here from, from a European perspective, I, I want to emphasize that. So Summit has probably got more to say about that than me. Um, well, there have been violent clashes between the two, um, something we mentioned in the previous podcast. Um, furthermore, the South China Sea territorial dispute, which is India's external affairs minister, Dr. S. Zaishankar, stated that the recent 15th East Asia summit erodes trust, in quotes, um, and these confirm global security concerns. From a global trade perspective, I have not come, I have to be honest, not come across a single decision maker or stakeholder who has told me the opposite to China disenfranchising its external trade partners of a level playing field in trade. Um, well, and furthermore, on the 15th of November this year, the FTA, which I uh, briefly touched upon before, titled the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, was signed by the Asian states with five other partners, including Australia, China, Japan, New Zealand, and South Korea. And I believe this certainly conditions the need for closer EU-India trade ties. And just as another point, the EU is looking to reform its trade policy. Seemingly, obviously, unfair commercial practices and certain uh, certainly dependencies by EU countries on, EU, on China and its economy and uh, the production capacities create concerns for uh, European supply chains. So do you think the India-China dynamic will bring India and the European Union closer together? Good question. And this, I have to say, depends on several factors, but I do believe so. Uh, and it's my best guess for several reasons. Um, the EU and India seem to have the same perspective about certain dependencies on China. Again, Summit, you might want to add something uh, Whilst the EU is reforming its trade policy, India has looked at the Supply Chain Resilience Initiative together with Australia and Japan with the purpose of supply chain diversification. 
the EU and another reason the EU and India both have a downward spiraling relationship with China, although obviously it is India and China that have had the harder dispute and harder measures uh, that are put in place. Indian government has already banned 118 Chinese mobile phone and desktop applications, for example. It is also now reviewing 54 memorandums of understanding, uh, which have been signed between Indian and Chinese educational institutions and uh, quite some prominent ones as well. And now when looking at the prospect of trade relations between the EU and India, it doesn't at all seem easy, though, when it comes to establishing an FTA. I refer back to the discussion since 2007. And of course, it could take long. But there are other prospects. Uh, many argue for cooperation outside of an FTA, such as in technology, not least artificial intelligence. India is the world's largest open data market, something that you alluded to, Summit, uh, due to certain initiatives, um, probably certainly enhanced by the initiatives you mentioned of uh, free data access. The European Council of Foreign Relations also argues for cooperation in the pharmaceutical sector by highlighting that within weeks of COVID-19 pandemic emerging, India became the second largest manufacturer of PPE body overalls, which demonstrates, I would say, and they agreed uh, that India's remarkable domestic manufacturing capacity. Indeed, India's position as the world's largest exporter of generic drugs and as foremost producer of vaccines gives it further considerable potential. Uh, you might not know this, and uh, here's a nice bit, uh, tidbit of information. Russia's actually asked for the vaccine to be produced there. So yes, my assessment is that in India and China relations condition a closer cooperation between the EU and India. All right, Summit, let, let me ask you the same question. Do you believe that the India-China dynamic will bring the India and the European Union European Union closer together? Well, uh, again, going by some statistics, if you look at India-European uh, trade relations, in the year 2017 and 2018, uh, India was um, the most balanced trading partner for the European Union as far as possible. And uh, now if we look at some statistics like the German-Indian Startup Exchange Program. Startups are exchanging technology in aerospace, in the areas of AI, in the areas of machine learning, in the area of Internet of Things, and uh, you know other technologies such as healthcare and agriculture, so that we can, uh, you know, overcome the challenges. Uh, that is being caused by the lack of free trade agreement. Uh, so back to you, Glenn. Um, the European Union and China on December 30, 30th, I think, had an agreement on had an investment agreement, also known as the Comprehensive Agreement on Investment, fittingly. Doesn't that show a deepening of those ties instead of uh, between the European Union and China? Um, yes, and I'm happy you brought that up. Uh, on 30th December, there was an agreement in principle. Uh, it is, uh, take note of the word in principle, it is just the first step in the process as deliberations for adoptions and ratification uh, need to still you know, happen, take place. So there is still a way to go. Uh, but maybe I'm going to uh, going ahead of myself in light of our listeners, just to mention quickly a CAI. It addresses the behavior 
of state-owned enterprises, comprehensive transparency rules for subsidies, a better level playing field in light of better access to for EU investors, and commitments related to sustainable development. And it is quite a big thing. It is completely unparalleled. The EU does not have something similar, similar with other third countries. But to come a bit more specific to your question uh, or answer your question, well, obviously countries, or in this case, supranational institutions such as the EU, like to hail it as a win. And in a way, I agree it is. I believe that through ambitious EU trade negotiations with other countries such as Vietnam, EU trade reforms, on the other hand, and the threat of EU businesses looking to other countries to diversify their supply chains outside of China, um, there has been an increase in pressure on China to implement rules and approaches which create a level playing field. And so, yes, I see it as a win for the EU, even though I find we are still far away from a real level playing field. But the threat of moving away from China and reforming trade rules, favoring diversification of supply chains still gives the EU to some degree an upper hand of implementing favorable conditions in trade relations. And obviously an opportunity for strengthening ties with India or other third countries. And let's also not forget business in the EU is much more independent of governmental governance structures than business in China. At least this is my assessment. Even though the EU sets conditions to favor to restrict business and relevant practices um, due to certain policy interests, the business will at the end have a lot of flexibility to decide where to locate or to source their materials from. To be honest with you, the CAI deserves a podcast episode of its own. So uh, there may be points to go through. Um, so something maybe to look forward to in the future. You also mentioned that the European Union is reforming its trade policy. So overall, what is going on regarding that? Well, on 16th November, uh, the European Commission launched a new complaint system, and in quotes, um, here it is, to fight trade barriers and violations of sustainable trade commitments. Uh, this follows the appointment of the Commission's first Chief Trade Enforcement Officer and the 50-point Trade and Sustainable Development Action Plan of 2018. Um, furthermore, it is mid of this year, uh, last year, sorry, 2020, so it takes a little bit of time to get used to being in a new year. <laughs> uh, in the mid of last year, a consultation was launched by the Commission um, titled A Renewed Trade Policy for a Stronger Europe. So let me just give you two questions that were put uh, and could be answered by anyone, as it is an open consultation, was an open consultation. How should the multilateral trade framework, WTO, be strengthened to ensure stability, predictability, and the rules-based environment for fair and sustainable trade and investment? Something I touched on before. And another one was, how can we use our broad network of existing FTAs or new FTAs to improve market access for EU exporters and investors and promote international regulatory cooperation, particularly in relation to digital and green technologies and standards in order to maximize their potential? So voila, I mean, these two questions really put in a nutshell what I uh, discussed with regard to EU-China dynamics and obviously EU-India dynamics. Um, summit. Micro, small and medium-sized enterprises are a key driver of the economy, also very much so in India, I believe. Um, Glenn and I always found it of interest to help SMEs grow to achieve their potential. Um, often this can be done by giving SMEs access to markets across the border. What do you think is needed for Indian SMEs to achieve their potential, such as entering the European Union market? Um, what, what most of the Indian SMEs 
suffered from is not lack of quality goods, but lack of information on, uh, and guidance on which markets to access, which markets to target, and uh, you know the consumer psyche in in uh, Europe, as per to say, because in India uh, the consumer psyche is very different. You have a collection of so many states in India, and every state people behave different. And if I look at the European Union as a whole, uh, there also there are multiple places where you know there are different sets of people and you should really know how to market to those kind of people if you're looking to enter the European market right. And so what troubles these SMEs is lack of information and uh, and how to go about it rather than, you know, having low quality goods. All right. So, dear listeners, I fear it's that time again. First of all, thanks very much, Summit, for joining us as a guest. Your insight is incredibly valuable, and I'm sure we all learned something today. Um, before Glenn and I say goodbye, would you like to provide some concluding remarks of your own and to our to our, both of our audiences? Uh, thank you so much for inviting me here. Really, a pleasure to be to be here and uh, to be talking to all of you and uh, shed some light on uh, European and Indian relationships. Hoping for a better tomorrow in future, and definitely this, uh, these two countries have a have a lot in common and uh, can go can go very far in terms of. All right, so it's also goodbye from me, and I wish you all a very good start to the new year. Oh, and this this is great. I always wanted to do this part. Uh, Samet, Joachim, thank you very much to both of you. Um, and so, uh, dear listeners, goodbye from me, and a great start to the new year for me too. And here goes. Stay safe, stay tuned.